felt like in reality, God was helping me to see that I had value, that I could still serve Him and His kingdom, that I had a purpose to fulfill that um, could only be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Tanner here with The Vision Project. I am so blessed by this episode today. It's another episode of Testimony Tuesday. So I'm so glad that you have joined us and are tagging along in today's episode. We hope that this episode really blesses you and this testimony strikes you with motivation uh, to desire a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who is the director of of the vision project. I am just the vessel, uh, an imperfect person who is a vessel of the Lord Jesus trying to do what he can to share and share the hope of Christ, even in the midst of hardship. And that's why I'm so excited for today's episode because Taylor Jackson is our special guest and he has an incredible testimony of losing himself, having gone through this tremendous trial of living for himself, living for the pleasures of himself. And now he is a ministry partner of mine. And I'm so blessed that he is willing to share his testimony today. So please turn your attention to Taylor as we start this episode. But first, let's start that intro. Welcome to The Vision Project, a place where we strive to give hope and understanding of who Jesus is. We hope today's episode guides you to a better understanding of who he is and how much he loves and cares for you. Have a wonderful day. All right. If you have made it this far, you have passed the intro. Congratulations. Today, we again, like I've said, are with our special guest, Taylor Jackson. Taylor Jackson, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Tanner. Thanks for, thank you for having me on today. Um, so I'm... Just Californian, um, kind of grew up in a, uh, you know, lower middle class family. Um, dad's hardworking, spends most of his day just out in the shop. Um, mom, uh, stay-at-home mom, um, she's an artist. My dad's a mechanic. Um, growing up, I lived in Monterey County, and now I'm in Placer County. Um I grew up with some Christian influences in my life, but I can't say that my family was necessary. Um, mm. They wanted to instill some good values in me so that I had a good moral compass, but um, I don't believe that they ever really uh, believed in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Um, thankfully, the Lord has pulled me out of the world at this point in my life and has given me the, the living hope of um, his sacrifice on my behalf. Um, saving me from my sins. Amen. But, um, <laughs> yes, amen. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up with some Christian influences. Um, you know, I just, growing up, I just felt like Christians were just really nice people. I didn't know why. Um, mm. You know, I had my own struggles I was dealing with. Um, I didn't quite fit in growing up. Um, I was always kind of the, uh, the odd kid little strange. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I dealt with a lot of uh, bullying through, like, elementary school, middle school. Um, 
by the time I got to high school, I started working out and kind of gained some muscle. And so I wasn't as uh, easy as a target. And so it kind of gave me an opportunity to kind of pull away, um, yeah. kind of into my own thing. Mm. Um, but through, I guess, sixth grade through eighth grade, I, I would say were my main um, Christian influences at this point in my life or up uh, from elementary school up till that point. Um, and I, I felt like I wasn't really belonging. I say that because yeah. the, um, the school I went to, um, like it was to be there. And so since my family wasn't very financially well off, I had other family members who helped sponsor me and my little sister to go there. Um, mm. And so there was always a little bit of a division about that, kind of like I'm there, but I don't quite belong kind of thing. Yeah. Um, looking back, I don't really think that the people who were saying that they were Christians were really Christians. Mm. And I say that not, not because I have any understanding of whether they were saved or not, but just because the way that um, because they just kind of singled me out as an opportunity to, you know, they, they picked me off and then they kind of built themselves up. Um, and I mean, we had penmanship classes to where like we'd read the Bible a little bit and then we'd write out Psalms to kind of memorize them. Um, and what kind of really pushed me away, I think at that point in my life was, even my teacher took the opportunity to uh, make fun of me or to kind of poke poke at me. Mm. And so it was like, well, if, if I can't really make any friends here, the students and then even my teacher takes opportunities to poke at me, um, maybe this really isn't for me. Yeah. And so in high school, I kind of pulled back a lot. And um, I think that's kind of where I started my self-destructive lifestyle. Um, gotcha. Well, there were there were other opportunities growing up. Um, mm. Like at the age of ten, I was introduced to like my first introduction to pornographic material. Mm. Um, kind of coming across some like thrown out magazines or some uh, DVD covers and things like that. And at that age in my life, um, you don't quite know what sexuality is. You just kind of right. know that there's right. boys and there's girls, and then to be go from like a couple seconds into like seeing this imagery that's just like, Whoa, what's going on? Um, I don't know how to process this mm. and going through sex education in school. They don't really tell you very much. They just say, this is, you know, what the girl looks like. This is what the boy looks like. If you right. have any questions, you know, you can put some notes in a hat and then we'll, you know, mm. pull them out and, you know, so you don't have to feel like you're being singled out for your questions. Um, and it was a lot of broken people giving broken answers about things they didn't really want to talk about. Mm. Um, and that just kind of led me to have more questions. Sure. And so that led me on a, a path of like seeking out my own answers mm. and what may have started out as curiosity of like, okay, what's, you know, what's this whole thing about sex into you know, later down the road, it became like, you know, an addiction like now that the hormones have been moving along now it's just kind of like normalized kind of thing and you know 
my parents or people in my life would say, you know, porn's bad, but they wouldn't tell me why, mm. or they wouldn't say what it does to you know, like your perception of people. Mm. They just they just were like, oh, this is terrible. You know, yeah. it hurts my feelings that you would even watch this kind of stuff. Yeah, and they didn't really tell me why, and I can kind of equate that to there was an instance in elementary school where we had to do a book report and my teacher was like okay well you know you quote some stuff from this book and um then you that's how you do a book report you you know you quote them some things from the book put your own perspectives and whatnot and i wrote some stuff out of the book and then my teacher pulls me aside after i returned it in she's like okay you're plagiarizing right now and this is you know not okay you can't be doing this stuff and then you know, if you can't correct this and you can't, you know, not do this anymore, then, you know, you just can't attend the school. And so it's like honing in on people's faults and not telling them what led them to that. Like, no, no one ever said, okay, you have to, you know, put parentheses around this, mm-hmm. but, you know, bring attention to this is not my words. These are from the author and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, going, kind of going back to that pornography, um, I would always just get the, oh, this is bad, but they don't tell you why. Um, And so later on, obviously, I learned, yeah, it really destroys your perspective of the integrity of women and respecting Mm. them as other people who are made in God's image and how pornography is not reality. It's Mm. not how people normally behave. Yep. And so... um, That's good. That Yeah, that, that... part of that was um, a factor in breaking down my um, my identity. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I guess, as you might um, figure out as as I go through my testimony, this is about me losing myself, mm. um, trying to find answers and looking in all the wrong places, and just you know becoming more broken as I mm. as I sought those answers. Sure. Um, yeah. Another aspect yeah. of my history was my family did foster care for, uh, um, I think, eight years or so. Like, right after we moved up here from Monterey County mm. um, in 2002, my, my folks did foster care until, like, 2010. Mm. Um, and we were, like, the last house on the line. We got, like, the worst of the worst kids who couldn't get, couldn't fit in in any other house. So there were moments when I had, like, open fist fights in my own room because I had, it was one of being one of the only boys in the house, we matched up other men with me in my room, or, you know, maybe a girl with my sister, and Mm. these men, or these young boys, would, you know, come from a position of, like, all I've ever known is brokenness, and then they come at me, and they're like, well, you know, what makes you feel so special that you actually have a family, like, Mm. all your own, you know, Mm. and then they just start attacking my identity as, you know, even though I was trying to help them, it was an opportunity for like, you know, what makes you think you're so good that you have, you know, two mm. loving parents, you know, I've had to make it on my own, you know, I'm better than you. Kind sure. of things like that. And, yeah. Um, realizing now that's just kind of a defense mechanism that a lot of people have of, you know, dealing with insecurities or brokenness. Right. Um, but yeah, going into high school, I was struggling with, um, drugs every once in a while, alcohol, um, mm. and you know, sex. I was yeah. introduced to sexual behavior um, through pornography, and then I acted that out in my life. Um, 
mm. sophomore year of high school through senior year of high school. But then wow. um, I think the Lord kind of subtly in ways that I wasn't really aware of, he started to take things out of my life. Yeah. Like after high school, yeah. thankfully, I haven't had to struggle with that. Um, but there has been opportunities for uh, the sinful flesh or Satan to tempt me to maybe act inappropriately. And then I felt really convicted about that. Um, mm. And then, you know, I turned back to a vice of, you know, uh, weed, uh, video games or pornography or something like that. Yeah. Like, well, if I can't make it in the world, then I'm going to recluse back into myself. Definitely, um, definitely. Uh, Taylor, so in this season for the Vision Project, like you had said, you, you said that you lost yourself, you know, in the midst of this journey, in the midst of this, you know, um, this travel towards where you are at now, you know, this quest to be, you know, you know, finding the true hope of Christ. And you talk about you know going through all of these things, and I mean you you could probably make a list, um, what would look like a CVS pharmacy receipt of <laughs> of struggle, right? And and you know there's so many different ways that Christians can fall away, and there's so many ways that Christians can feel trapped in these positions of life and feeling like there's no way out. And for you, you had said that. You know, it was it was lust, it was porn, it was drugs, it was alcohol, it was sex, it was, you know, all of these different things, partying and, you know, whatever it may be, there's these mm-hmm. lists of things that individuals themselves can entirely go through. There are specific sins um, that people deal with that they feel like they are trapped in, that they feel like they're the only person that deals with this struggle. For you, what was the journey to get out and like, how do you get to where you are at now? How did you become the person that you are now looking back at all of those past experiences from the, you know, the words that your teacher had said to, you know, the way that students would teach you all of those things rooted kind of this behavior in your life. It was a part of hurt. It was a part of feeling ashamed uh, and and insecure, you know, what led to this, point in your life well i feel uh at least for myself i had to reach a really low point um Mm. like i went through college um i became a professional ceramic artist um learned as much as i could i did apprenticing uh interning you know took as many classes as i could in the, the field of you know uh ceramic arts and it wasn't succeeding um I tried applying myself to different um, pursuits and it just, I wasn't succeeding and I didn't know why. Um, And there was this one point I can distinctly say in 2018, 2019 when the paradise fire happened Mm. and we had watched the, uh, my mom and I had watched the uh, documentary on Paradise, and towards the end, um, there's this scene where this guy was going back to his house after the fire, and he sees his, the, the fire mantle, 
and there's the the urn of his grandpa there and he's just blown away that it's still around and so he goes up and tries to pick it up and it just crumbles and just like falls apart and that was like that little bit of hope that he had had just like fallen away and now he wasn't quite sure what to do um and you know i felt like that's something that i can do i can i can make urns for people that need new urns for family members who have passed away in the fire who um passed away after the fire due to health complications or uh, like in this instance they lost an urn that they need to replace to put a family member back into Mm. um and so that kind of started a journey of um well, God was teaching me altruism, like teaching me to live selflessly. Mm. Um, and so I'd spend like six to 12 hours in the studio, just making things, just making urns. Um, and weeks on end, I'd be doing this. And so it, it had kind of given me a new purpose, even though I wasn't quite sure why I was where I was. I was seeing a direction that I felt God or, you know, (laughs) at this point I wasn't Christian, but I was just kind of like, there's obviously some kind of direction going on here and I need to follow it because there was a a tugging on my heart, um, you know, throughout the whole growing up experience. Um, It did make me bitter at times, but at other points, like I tried holding on to that part of me that was like, you know, I don't want to be like these people who are, you know, treating me bad, mm. even though all they want, it seems like they want me to do is to react negatively to their, their poking to get kind of a rise out of me. Mm. But, um, we started to, yeah, make a bunch of urns. And by the time I was done, I had made you know, a few hundred urns and we had gone up to paradise and delivered them. At different points, um, there was like three or four different times we'd gone up there to meet with people at their houses, or we met at a parking lot, and a bunch of people showed up, hmm. and they said that it gave them an opportunity for closure, and though I didn't quite understand it at the time, um, I feel like that was an opportunity for me to put to death the um the identity that i thought that i had Mm. that part of me that was like you know i've tried so hard i can't succeed um but what i can succeed at is helping other people see that they have value and when they lose someone helping them to to know that that person that they lost was loved and that they have dignity and that they deserve to be um, shown that dignity um, even by someone who doesn't even know them or doesn't even have any understanding of who they were or mm. what they meant to the other person. Just know it, that um, I can do something to help them. Yeah. And going yeah. back to like what I said with altruism, I it was weird. It was kind of like that I didn't quite understand what that word was or it just it was kind of a foreign word to me and when I was working I felt the Lord just put that in my mind 
it was just kind of weird. It was just like this word that always playing over and over and over in my head. And then um, afterwards, I kind of like looked it up. I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess that, yeah, that kind of explains what I'm doing. Mm. But then I, uh, on the other end of things, um, I felt that I was helping these people. Like yeah. I felt like I was helping them find closure and helping them find value. But I felt like in reality, God was helping me to see that I had value, that mm. I could still serve him and his kingdom, mm. that I had a purpose to fulfill that um, could only be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So for you, so for you, you felt like God had brought you out of this season simply by you serving him and really just, I guess, following this path of doing good, but at the same time recognizing that you had purpose through doing good. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting how that works. Yeah. Like we don't quite understand, um, you know, the value of people, at least from this perspective, um, until you start really serving them and you start investing yourself into them and serving them in a way that honors God because we're all made in God's image. Um, though some of us aren't his children because they haven't, we have, they haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, just realizing that we're called to honor God, to like love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, all of our strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, and loving our neighbors as ourselves is giving them the kind of, um, dignity and care that we know that those who are made in the image of God deserve. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize for that lag. That was really interesting. Um, but now we're back. We're here, but that's good, brother. I really appreciate seeing the perspective. I mean, this is a different type of transformation. This is a rare type of transformation like you don't normally see people change through doing this service you see a lot of people being changed because of the service that is being brought to them and so that's why i love your testimonies because you were changed by this historical event that happened in paradise and you acted upon you know that by seeing the hurt that people had gone through by you know working hours and hours and hours full of I'm sure exhausting you know manual labor crafting these you know beautiful urns and now you see the transformation of a person through the service of Jesus Christ through the service of working for the kingdom and really just honoring God without even really recognizing you were honoring God, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it was an opportunity to realize, you know, that was just, 
like a micro fraction of the service that Christ has done for us. And so that kind of gave me um, a, a jumping off point of realizing, like, if this is the way that God has called us to live, then this is what I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a part of helping other people heal and other people see the value in themselves. Mm. Is Was there a specific moment for you where it just clicked for you, like in the moment of, of, of being in paradise? Like, was there a specific moment that you can remember at all where you were just like, ah, like, was it a smile on someone's face? Was it a reaction that someone had that you said, this is God's work. This is the kingdom and I want to be a part of it. I, yes and no. Um, that's okay. Yes. Um, there was a lot of moments where just this simple gesture of giving them an urn was kind of life changing for them in, in the sense that they have gone through such a traumatic event and now someone who doesn't even know them, someone who has never, experience what they have experienced comes alongside them and says your family member was valued they are loved and they deserve to um know that that their family member was Mm. that and um it was a subtle like changing of my heart from that stony heart um that i was experiencing in the world that the part of me that didn't want to be invested in people that didn't want to um, get too close to people because people hurt you mm. or they just want to use you or, you know, you just use them kind of thing. I mean, mm. that's realizing now in my walk, like that's the major facet of sin. It's either destroying your life or destroying other people's life. Mm. And that's what lip selfishly, selfishly does to people. Mm. But, um, this, uh, was like the first, major time when I was like tasting of the Lord and knowing that he is good. Mm. And, um, like after six months of, you know, making urns and like investing in people, um, I still had Facebook at this time. So I was in contact with people and, um, there was people I was in contact with who were having health issues and passing away. And so, I tried giving them whatever consolation I could, um, but not feeling like I was really doing anything mm. uh, for that that passing nature. Um, mm. Because at this point, I didn't really know what was in the afterlife. I didn't know what was after this present time, but I felt like whatever I was giving them wasn't accurate or wasn't enough. And... Um, there was a tug on my heart to go back to church. Mm. Like I was, I was working out one evening and the Lord put it on my heart. He's like, ask your neighbor if you can go to church with them tomorrow morning. And I was kind of like, what? You know, I've, I haven't been to church in maybe, you know, 10 years. Like, mm. I don't know why I'm feeling this urge to go back to church. And so I just reached out to her and she was like ecstatic. She's like, yes, you're going to, you're going to come with us to church. <laughs> and so mm. I went with them and they're uh, Presbyterian or something like that. Mm. They're the denomination of Catholicism. Mm. Um, but it was my first time getting back into church. I didn't quite understand, you know, mm. the whole 
liturgy and you know the ritual is ritualizing of everything mm. but um i felt that if this is my first step back into seeking christ then i'm just gonna jump into it and mm. um i just i followed along with whatever they were doing um i tried reading my bible like uh started with the book of john and started working through it um but what really taught me the the love of Christ or like making progress towards my walk with him ironically was working with pottery mm. uh, there's moments in the Bible where it brings attention that the Lord is our potter we are the clay he molds us and shapes us he has purpose and intention for us uh, he has you know he wants us to prosper and not to um, to fail but we need him to come along and like remake us because um, when we're left to this world or our own devices we dry out we become hard and stony and we become this immovable lump of dirt that just mm. can't be remade mm. he's the living water who gives us new life he breaks down that heart of stone makes us a heart of flesh and then when we're receptive to his will then we can start to be remade into the the person that we're made to be through Jesus Christ. Mm. So there's these moments when I'm firing the kiln and um, we have just an analog uh, gas kiln. So I have to adjust the amount of gas that's going into the kiln. I have to adjust the burners to how much gas to oxygen ratio is being presented into the atmosphere. And then I have to adjust the flue, which is on top, mm. which adjusts the back pressure. So there's a lot of moving parts and a part of me was just like, I know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm failing so hard. And, you know, the more I tried pushing at it, the more things would start to, you know, dramatically respond to my movements. And, you know, I'd lose a lot of temperature or I'd gain a lot of temperature too quickly. And I can equate that to my walk with God. The more that I tried struggling to like, I need faith. I need to, you know, I need to work more. And God's like, no, what you need is just to calm down, let me do the work in you, and just to trust the journey, because the more you freak out, the more you try to do things, the more mess you got to clean up, yep. you know, just let me work. <laughs> mm. And so there was moments when I just like sit next to the kiln, and you know, it would stall, and it'd be stalled for like 45 minutes, and I'd be like near tears of like, you know... I'm wasting gas. I'm, you know, if I fire this wrong, there's, because I'm firing other people's pieces as well. Like if I blow up their pieces or if they don't come out right, then it's going to be on me. Mm. You know, I'm going to be like the object of their wrath. You know, like, you know, we're never going to come back to this studio because, you know, obviously you don't know how to do your job right. And you just destroy our pieces and this, that, and the other. And mm. that was a moment where I just had to stop and just really surrender to God because he needed to do a work in me and I needed to work on trusting him to walk in faith. Mm. Um, and those are moments when I really started to learn to walk by faith and not by sight because in that type of kiln, you can't really see anything like, yeah, you can open up a peephole and you put on welding glasses because you get like white heat, you know, like burn your retinas. Um, but you look inside and you just have like this little window um, and there's these cone packs that kind of tell you how 
they melt at certain temperatures so you can kind of see how far along the, the kiln is going mm. and you can kind of equate that to the journey as well like you've you kind of tell like once you've crossed a certain threshold in your faith you know that you've crossed it but you don't quite know how far along you are like mm. in the ultimate bigger perspective of things you're like okay i've, I've overcome this this certain struggle i've become more humble I'm serving the Lord more, um, you know, I'm taking up my cross every day, but in the grander scheme of things, we don't know how much or in how many areas of our life God's working in us, and it's just trusting him through that. Mm. So through a passion and a gift that you have, you were able to not only serve others, but God showed you and opened up your eyes through the craft you know, yeah, whether it's yeah. like the symbolism, the great symbolism, symbolism that is throughout the scriptures or even, you know, in front of your eyes and what you see. And, you know, this is what God does with us and, you know, for us and how he forms us and, you know, just allows us to, even in the testing of fire, become a beautiful piece of art, to become a, pa- a masterpiece for him. And so yeah. that's, you know, really encouraging, really awesome to see your journey, how God has brought you from drugs he's brought you from alcohol he's brought you from lust he's brought you from you know so many different things and of course we are all imperfect people and we still mess up and and are tempted every day to do you know certain things and it's a battle you know uh first peter 2 talks about that that this sin wages war it is war each and every day um but for you it's so encouraging to see how you have come from all of those different things right you know, there's a lot of people out there that struggle with just one thing or just a couple of things, but you, you know, you yourself struggled with a lot of different things and just a lot of brokenness and living in the world, abiding by the world, abiding, you know, by the ways of peer pressure, um, by the ways of desiring to act on feeling rather than faith. And so I, I want to read this verse. It's in Matthew 16, um, verse 24, um, and I'll probably go through uh, 26. These three verses are some some of my favorite personally, just because it talks about the transformation and the calling on our life. Um, but it says this, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Verse 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward every man according to his works. It's incredible to see a journey like yours, Taylor, where you have gone through the thickest of parts and also the you know walking on the thinnest of lines and and i'm really encouraged uh hearing this testimony and just seeing how you have come to this point and i want to ask you one last thing if you would for the audience that is still listening uh and we want to thank you for those who have listened this far um to taylor's testimony (laughs) it's amazing it's awesome it's encouraging and it helps the vision project as well. Um, but I want to ask you, Taylor, uh, before we close this off, what is something that you would like to encourage this audience with 
um, when it comes to the to, to the means of you know losing yourself for Christ. Don't ever feel that you're too far gone for Christ to pull you out of the depths of hell. Mm. Um, I felt like I was spoiled goods, like I was, you know, a piece of trash that no one would ever think of investing in. And even at that point in my life, Christ said, you know, you're valuable because you were made in my image Mm. and I I can take the broken parts of your life and make you a masterpiece Mm. because God uses broken people to make his will come about in this world. And so don't feel that you're too far gone, you're too broken, you're too anything because Christ can use you to serve his kingdom. Mm. That is really, really good. It's simple yet so profound knowing that we are all broken people. And I like to think of it as as this way. Um, I thought of this image the other day, but you think of stained glass church um, windows, right? You know, it's really popular for um, older churches or even more traditional churches to have these stained glass windows. And I thought about it. I was like, you know, what is the significance of that? What is, you know, the the sign of this? And, and I thought about it. I was like, wow, like there's a whole process to make these stained glass windows. And it's all little pieces of glass that are put together. And I thought about it. I was like, man, the church is a lot like that. The church is unique in its own color, unique in its own shape and form, but we all come together to create this beautiful image, and that is to reflect the image of God. And so I want to leave that to the audience today. I want to leave that, you know, for all of you that are listening, that you are that important piece. You know, every single piece is important to create this beautiful reflection uh, and, in a sense, a manifestation of the image of God, you know, being that image of God and who we are meant to be. That is where your identity should be set in. That's where, you know, your your walk should be encouraged by and motivated by is that you are important. You are an important piece, a beautiful piece individually for the entire picture of the image of God, the church of God, the bride of Christ. So Taylor, I want to thank you so much for joining us as we you know tag along with one another sharing these stories storytelling about our own stories and also looking forward for the vision project of telling more stories that we create as well and so i want to thank you for being a part of this and i'm looking forward to more things where you are involved with the vision project you know who knows there might be some yeah. things coming so yeah, i want to thank definitely you definitely been a blessing to call you my brother lord uh mm. tanner <laughs> not Lord. <laughs> no, no, I, I tend to do that sometimes because I'm it's like, okay. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like praying and stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have to bleep yeah. that out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I. Lo and behold, he's my brother. Yes, Amen. Yeah, I, I'm blessed that you and I have gotten to know each other for, you know, over a year now, and really just getting to know each other more and more through Bible studies and you know, through youth group and ministry and all of that. So I appreciate you, man. I do. It's been a blessing to be on your podcast. Um, and I just pray that I can be of service uh, in any other pursuits that you need me to do. Amen. Amen. It's going to be good. Praise God. Well, I thank you so much, Taylor, for joining us, and I uh, look forward to many more things. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks, Taylor.
what an incredible and encouraging testimony from my brother in Christ, Taylor Jackson. I appreciate him for coming on the show and being so open and transparent. I think that is so important and also rare in our modern Christian church culture. If you liked this podcast, go ahead and show us that you liked it and give us a thumbs up, uh, give us a follow, a rating down below, you know, whatever platform you are listening, watching it on, whatever it may be, please give us some feedback. We would love to see what you think about it and give us an honest review. You know, if it's bad, go ahead and give, give us a bad rating. Tell us what we need to work on. We would love that feedback so that we can improve and get better with this podcast. If you liked it, go ahead and share it with your friends. Let people know about the Vision Project and our mission, which is to motivate people to love Christ and to see the love of Christ through the art of storytelling. We would love to share your story as well. So you can go ahead and reach out to us on Instagram or on Facebook. You can direct message us, or you can email us at thevisionproject316 at gmail.com. That's thevisionproject316316 at gmail.com. Go ahead and reach out to us. We would love to share your story and impact others with your story. That would be absolutely incredible. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Testimony Tuesday. We're looking forward to many more testimonies. And as you can see with Taylor's testimony, it was so awesome and encouraging to see the path from insecurity to security and from hopelessness to hope. As you can see, he went through many different things and it all started from, it all rooted from the confusion of what a true Christian is from the way that people had treated him. So this means that we need to look at our own selves, not point the finger at others, but even to look at our own selves and to say, what am I doing that could be hurting somebody else? What am I doing that is impacting somebody negatively? I need to look at my own life, whether it's through gossip, the way that I treat it, treat them. It could be through body language. All of these different things could have impacted Taylor's life and to be, you know, where he had gone, right? But now Taylor's in a great place. He had found Christ. He had found that quest into the kingdom of God, finding out his true calling, his true purpose in the love of Christ, having a relationship with him and walking with him daily. But that was all through going through the lowest of times and being able to look back and say, you know what, that was not worth it. So Taylor had to go through the toughest of times, the hardest of things to really realize that the goodness of God is so much greater than the things that the world can bring, these pleasures, these false realities that the world portrays as good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We're looking forward to the next one. See you next time. Thanks for joining.